Good morning, guys. <clears throat> if you don't know me, my name is Stacy. Um, I'm a guest speaker this morning. Um, our, our lead pastor, Travis, is almost at the end of his sabbatical, um, so we're glad that he and, and Kristen and the family got a rest, but we're, we're also looking forward to having him back. Um, and so this will be my final installment with you guys up here in the pulpit, and so um, if that makes you breathe a little sigh of relief, I'm right with you. Me too. I'm breathing it. So um, let's get going. And um, the past few couple months, really, um, we've been looking at deeper faith. And we've been going verse by verse through chapter 11 of Hebrews. Over the past two weeks, we've spent looking at faith specifically as seen through the life of Moses. And so we started with Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, which said, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So two weeks ago, we looked at how Moses' life began with an act of faith by his parents in some pretty tough pretty difficult circumstances. And so we looked at that and thought about how if each of us were to look back on our own lives, that we can see circumstantial evidence of God. We can see evidence of Him in our circumstances. The fingerprints that He's left behind. That even though we weren't able to physically see Him there, He was there. Last week, we, we thought about and considered how God instituted the Passover as a means of escape from certain death when he came in judgment against Pharaoh and Egypt and the gods of Egypt. We reflected how in our own lives and considered how our own stories would surely be different if God had handed us over to our sins, if he hadn't provided us that same means of escape through Jesus Christ. And we also looked at how God had commissioned Moses, a lot like a pastor, to lead the Israelites, to explain God's commands to them, to bring them out of Egypt. And so this morning, we're going to look at the final verse in this segment on the faith of Moses. And this will wrap up the mini, this little mini three-part series within a bigger series that we've been walking through. And so today's verse is Hebrews 11:29 which says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've just needed God to part the waters for you so that you could walk right through? Have you ever asked him to open some door for you and to just clear a path forward? And not some winding path with corners that we can't see around, but we always ask for a road, a wide road, with guardrails on each side so that you can't veer off. An unmistakable, well-lit, unquestionable, slam dunk, don't need to think twice about it, direction forward, a path to go. 
That's what we all want when we need, for, we, when we need direction from God, isn't it? Clarity for Him to make it easy for us, to make it clear for us. We pray for Him to give us a no-brainer. Because if we don't have that certainty, if things aren't crystal clear, then what we tend to do is we tend to play it safe and just wait. We've all thought or said things like, you know, I'm just waiting for God to open the right door for me. I'm just waiting to see if this is where God wants me to be. And when we think of the Red Sea story, we tend to picture it in that way that God provides this path ahead that's so sure, so certain, so clear, so directed by Him, a door open so plainly, so wide before us that all we have to do is just step right through. But life rarely offers guarantees. It rarely offers 100% certainty. Most of the time, we question whether we're on the right path because the road ahead isn't straight. It does have curves in it, and it has hills and valleys, and lots of them. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in the drama of the Red Sea story. It's an epic story. But we tend to look at the parting of the Red Sea as this example of how God deals just with the big obstacles of life, the landmark decisions, when there's a lot on the line. But by doing that, we miss the details. We miss the finer point of how this story applies to us in our own lives. What if it's not all about these huge dramatic times in life where God just clears the obstacles in front of us? What if there's more to the story than that? What if it gives us some insight as to what a journey of faith in real life for us really looks like? By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. The story of the Red Sea crossing is told in the book of Exodus, and it's told through chapters 12 to 14. And it picks up where we left off last week, right after God has visited Egypt in judgment on the night of the Passover. So let's take a minute and just go through that story again. We probably all heard it, but let's go through it as it's told in the Bible. It starts in Exodus 12. 29 through 32, it says, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. And then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night, and he said, Up. Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you've said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. So Pharaoh says, he says, go, leave, pack your stuff, get out of here, take your animals with you, good riddance, you can't get out of here fast enough. I've had enough of these plagues with the disaster and dealing with your God. Chapter 13 continues and tells us that God took the Israelites out of Egypt, but he took them the long way, diverting them around the land of the Philistines in order to avoid any trouble with them. 
Exodus 13, 18 says, But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Then verses 21 and 22 tell how they traveled with his constant presence, that he appeared before them as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. Exodus 13, 21 and 22 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And then in chapter 14, it describes how God brings them to the shore of the Red Sea and has them stop and set camp there. But at the same time, Pharaoh has once again changed his mind about letting the Israelites go. He wants them back. And so he sends his army to recapture them. And they eventually catch up to the Israelites as they're camped along the shore. 14.10 says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. The Israelites see the Egyptians in the distance coming for them, and they're struck with this fear. There's nowhere to run. And not only did they cry out to the Lord, but this is where they start pointing their finger at Moses and saying, why? Why did you bring us here, Moses? So we could die? Verse 12 says, Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And they're saying, Do you remember us telling you that something like this was going to happen, Moses? We would have been better off if we had just stayed in Egypt We might have been slaves there, but at least we'd be alive. Verses 13 and 14, Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Then verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to move forward. And so you probably remember the rest of the story from here, how that pillar of cloud and fire, God's visible presence that had been in front of them, leading them, stepped behind them, between them and the Egyptian army. And it blocked the view of the Egyptian army. And then how Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at that moment, God caused a strong east wind to blow through the night, and it was that wind that divided the waters and that the Israelites walked into the sea on dry land and that the waters stood like walls on their left and right. And you remember that it was a different story for the Egyptians and that when they tried to cross, the waters closed in on them and they drowned. This is one of the most epic stories in the Bible. It's dramatic. And it contains a lot of lessons, a lot of things you could get out of it. You know, how, how shows how God directs our journey, how he travels with us and assures us of his presence, how sometimes he leads us down an alternate route, a different way than we would have chosen, but it's for our own protection. And it demonstrates his sovereign rule over any situation and how circumstances that seem impossible to us, when it seems like there's no way out, 
That's never impossible for God. But the story doesn't only paint a picture of God, but also of us. It paints this picture of us. Because while that story of the Red Sea describes literal events, it's also a metaphor for our lives. It's like one of the parables that Jesus used so that the listener could place himself or herself within the lesson that he was teaching. See, in this story, the Israelites represent you. And Egypt represents the world. It represents your life before you were saved. Egypt represents the sin, that thing in, thing in your life that you just couldn't escape from. And the Red Sea, that represents all those times when we come against a situation that seems impossible, that there's no way forward. So it's just easier to go back to our old lives than it is to move forward with Jesus Christ. I'm guessing that your story may go something like this. That you struggled with something in your life that you knew just wasn't quite right. That wasn't good for you. And try as you might, you couldn't shake it. You couldn't escape from it. And it's different for every one of us. Some of you just wanted to escape the pressure of life for a minute, but it turned into this lifelong struggle with drugs or alcohol. For others, Man, you can't get on the computer without being dragged onto some porn site. Or maybe you know that you don't have the money, but buying yourself a little present makes you feel good. You tell yourself, I deserve it. And so you put it on the credit card over and over again until you're buried in debt. Or you just fight with your weight and trying harder and diets just never work. So you give in to the food, you give up and eat. For others, you can't disconnect from the job and your wife and kids are suffering for it. But you can't just walk away because then it would get hard. You'd have to give up some stuff. Your lifestyle would have to change. We've all got something. And I could go on and on with examples, but you get the picture. You were mired in something that was eating you up inside but you just couldn't give up or get away from it. It was tearing you up inside because you knew down deep that there was something better. And somewhere along the line, sometime in your life, someone, some Moses type, told you about Jesus Christ and how he died and paid for your sins with his life. His blood was shed so that in God's eyes, you could be made new, given a new life, a fresh start, free from all that mess and garbage that you've struggled with. You could escape it. So there at rock bottom, you reach up to him and you start to believe. You place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ and start walking with him. And you know, he did. He met you right there in the middle of your mess and things inside began to look a little different. He meets us there. But the thing is that he never intends for us to stay just there. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned about how in a lot of ways, when you become a Christian, that life gets harder rather than easier. When you, get, when you become a Christian, life gets harder. Amen? It does. 
It gets harder. It gets harder because everything that happens to you up to the point you're saved, that's all internal. It happens on the inside. It's invisible to anyone else. It's silent to everyone else. Nobody hears your conversations with God. Nobody knows really your battle with sin, your cry to Him for help, your prayers, placing your trust in Jesus Christ and asking Him to be Lord of your life. That's all just between you and Him. It happens internally, spiritually. And that's good. That's a good place to be. I remember how much hope filled me inside when I was saved, how everything looked new. But then God asked me something. He asked me to start demonstrating on the outside, physically, tangibly, what he had changed on the inside. And that's when it started to get scary. We don't believe something by saying we believe it, or even when we believe that we believe it. We believe something when we act as though it were true. And that's when things get tough. When God calls us to act on our faith. Because saying yes to God's call on your life, saying yes to the things that He commands, well, that means saying no to something else. Moving forward means leaving something else behind. It means that people are going to look at you differently. It means you're not going to fit in where you fit in before. It may mean that you have to give something up. It may mean that you have to let go of some friendships. It may mean that you have to stand alone on some issue and people are going to talk about it. And that is when we find ourselves on the shore of the Red Sea, unable to see a way across, too scary to step in, and we start looking backward. We start looking back to Egypt. The Red Sea is that moment when it just seems easier to go back than it does to go forward. And we've all been there. It's where we have these little conversations with ourselves, where we make these little agreements with ourselves. You know, maybe this Christianity thing just isn't for me. Maybe this is just the way I am, and it's never going to change. And I thought God was going to make this easier, not harder. And if he really cared about me, then why would he put, be putting all this pressure on me? Why would it have to be this hard? And so we go backward towards Egypt. We go back to doing it on our own, back to where it was comfortable, back to those habits. Except that doesn't lead to good. And so we look again to God to pull us back out of Egypt. And I'm afraid that this is where a lot of us end up wavering back and forth between Egypt and the Red Sea, stuck between the two, bouncing back and forth in limbo. Not growing, not moving forward, just stuck. That isn't a life of faith. You can come to church every Sunday, you can worship and be inspired by a message, and then go right back to the same old routine for the other six days of the week. That isn't faith. Faith evaluates, yes, but faith doesn't get stuck. Faith dares. Faith risks. Faith sacrifices what might be comfortable right now for a reward in the future. Faith is able to see the difference between what's temporary and what is permanent. 
But for so many of us, we get stuck keeping one foot back in our old life and one foot trying to follow Jesus. You go to church on Sunday, but you're not really seeing any, any real change in your life, so you turn around and you start looking back at Egypt. You never step into the water, never take a step forward because you're too afraid that the water is going to be over your head. But guys, going forward is the only way to put distance between yourself and those things that you wanted so badly to leave behind. My wife Jen and I attended another church before we came here a little over a year ago. We'd been at that church since it opened in 2011 as a, as a church plant. We went to the original first service and we went to everyone, nearly everyone, for, for the eight years after that, that we were there. We made a lot of friends and they became family to us. We invested a lot of ourselves, our time, in serving there. It was this little small church and where I knew everyone by name, I knew their stories, and they were family to me. Our son and daughter went to church there with us. I had a close relationship, a close friendship with the pastor. And so it caught the entire church by surprise when he, kind of out of the blue, announced that he would be relocating out of state with his family and that it was going to happen in six weeks. And there was no contingency plan for that sort of thing, no transition team or, or pastor waiting to step into the role, so it sent this shockwave through the church. And some of the body stayed on, but there were many who decided that they had to leave. And Jen and I were in that group. We decided that we needed to find a stable place to go and just rest for a while. It was hard. It was a hard situation. It came with a lot of costs. Our son started attending another church altogether. And one of the things I looked forward to most was, was having my kids in church with me on Sunday morning. Our daughter tried some places, but never really found a good fit, so she just dropped off and stopped going altogether. We lost contact with a lot of friends, people that we loved and we cared about. And although I knew it was something that we had to do, walking away from that little church, that family, it was extremely difficult. And I've had a lot of days with a real sense of guilt about it. And I'll tell you, to be honest, that the question crossed my mind more than once about whether or not church was really worth the effort. Maybe it would be better to just stay home and avoid the mess. Maybe it would just be easier if we stopped going to church. I looked back at Egypt because most of my life had been spent not going to church. But you know, my salvation is dependent upon Jesus Christ being exactly who He says He is. It's dependent upon the Word of God being absolute truth. His Word says that we should not forsake the assembling together as a church body. His work says that the entire body is made up of many parts, each being as important as, as the other. And His Word says that I don't have all of those parts within me that I need what you have to offer and you need the little bit that I may have to offer. His word says that I am to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and that I'm to love my neighbor as myself and both of those happen 
in a church. We learn to do both of those in a church. And so we decided we started coming to Summit. That was the Red Sea moment for us. We decided to step back into the water and trust God to work out the details. And so we're here today, and what I'm realizing is that if we had just given up, that I wouldn't have been able to receive the blessing in my life that I've had by spending the past three Sundays with you up here. I wouldn't have the blessing of making new friends in a new family over the past year and of finding a closeness with God again. I've spent more time with God in the past three weeks relying on Him to give me words, relying on Him to see me through nervous moments and times when I doubted. And He's seen me through it. He has. Jesus said that I've come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. He didn't mean for you to be stuck in a place where you're just waiting for all of the stars to align before you dare to make a move. There's a reason that so many of us don't have stories where we know and can tell someone else that God has come through for us in an undeniable way. There's a reason that we can't see God working in our lives. There's a reason we don't experience His presence. There's a reason we've never seen Him part the waters in front of us. It's because we haven't dared to step forward first and trust Him to clear the way ahead. So I want to ask you this morning, if you take an honest look at your life right now, where do you stand? Do you have a story where God has given you complete victory over some situation that you thought was impossible? Do you know Him as a God who delivers you? Or maybe you just plain don't know how to move forward. Is that you? How about this week you take a step of faith? How about this week you take one thing that God asks us to do, He actually commands us to do, that doesn't make any sense. And you trust Him with the outcome. How about this week you pick up the phone and have that tough conversation that you've been avoiding, the one where you have to forgive someone or you have to ask them to forgive you? How about this week you do something good for someone who's been hateful or hurtful to you? Or when someone tries to start an argument that you meet them with a kind word back? How about this week you start tithing? The whole tithe, the entire amount. You know what I think? I think you don't need any ideas. I think that deep down, you already know full well what God has been calling you to do and calling you to trust, where He's been calling you to trust Him, but you just haven't been able to do it. He gave us this life so that we could learn to walk with Him to know Him. So take that step. Trust Him. Put your faith in Him. Jesus says that when we belong to God, that we're held in His hand and there's nothing that can pry us from it. Take the step. So I'm going to wrap this up, but before I forget, I want you to all know how much of an honor 
and a privilege it's been for me to be able to stand in for the past three weeks. I have been blessed, and I'm grateful. So many of you have taken time and showed me some kindness or encouraged me or given me a word, and I appreciate it more than you know, so I just want to say thank you. And here's the final point about Moses, about the Exodus, about the Red Sea. All of this points to Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins that parted the waters of this great ocean between us and an eternity with God, the promised land. If you've ever, if you have placed your faith in him, if he's Lord of your life, then those waters have already been cleared out of your way. He's already gone ahead to prepare a place there for you. You know how the story ends. Take a step. Amen? Let's pray.